It's the TEH podcast episode number 194. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig from macmost.com. So I got to jump right into the first thing you've got here on, on yeah. our show notes thing here. Yeah. Uh, airships. Airships. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about these in the distant, distant past, or if it's just that it's something I've always been enthusiastic about. But yeah, airships. So by airships, I mean uh, rigid dirigibles, uh, otherwise known as zeppelins. Zeppelins, yes. Zeppelins have always fascinated me. There's a lot of, besides computers, there are lots of bits of technology like flywheels and such that I always am fascinated by. Sure. And um, zeppelins was one of those things because uh you know zeppelins uh, prior to whenever it was the hindenburg crashed uh, mm -hmm. 1932 35 30 yeah uh that prior to then uh they were kind of filling the skies they were like the latest cool you know tech stuff there were planes but there were also zeppelins and they were actually making journeys like global journeys you know you could you go from Europe to the United States, Europe to South America on a, on a Zeppelin. And, um, and then uh, despite the fact that the technology looked so promising and there was like all sorts of new developments, the Hindenburg disaster happened. And that was such a big disaster that uh, basically nothing has happened since uh, because one, one small explosion will do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, you know, hard to convince people to like get on one, you know, when there was such a big, uh, you know, problem like that. Uh, but of course, you know, the problem, there are a lot of reasons for that problem. Uh, everybody yes. goes to, oh, it's hydrogen, hydrogen explodes. But there was also, you know, the fact that it burned, which I don't, I think experts kind of agreed that, you know, hydrogen wouldn't do that. If it was just hydrogen, it would have gone pop and there would have been a disaster. But what you saw, uh, you know, on that right. old newsreel footage is the paint the flammable paint on the outside of the of the flammable there's the, there's material that, and, I, and i've heard burning. some aspect of the material made it especially yeah. prone to static yeah which i thought was kind of interesting as well that seemed like a bad yeah. idea yeah so there was a lot of things that you know had zeppelins continued they would have maybe said well here's a bunch of things we can correct right off the bat which is what we've done with uh heavier than air flight airplanes uh, right. all along there's been a disaster and they say oh if we had a system like this in place it would avoid that and even up to the current day to like right. the last few years things have gone wrong and new safety systems have gone in and right. air travel gets safer and safer but zeppelins just basically stopped and that was it and not even i mean for years and years there weren't any uh, rigid zeppelins there were blimps which are inflatables and of course hot air balloons which are not uh the same thing mm -hmm. um but well they're pretty kind of directionless too and I, I so there's an article uh there was actually an article many years ago in wired maybe it was before we did the show about how uh you know tech people were trying to bring zeppelins back and i was so interested in that i may even been have been a cover of wired magazine like 10 or 15 years ago and then nothing really happened um but there's a new story this week in bloomberg or i guess it was last week in bloomberg uh and it, i was surprised to find out it's not a new effort but it's actually a continuation of that same effort from a long time ago to bring zeppelins back um because there really haven't been there. I, I found out in the article, there are actually two Zeppelins or two or three small things, passenger vehicles for tourism, uh, two in Germany. And the one they had here in the United States that wasn't successful. Same company built them. Uh, the German company built them. And uh, that was interesting. I didn't know there were any at all, but there, there are those. So you can go to Germany and go to the Zeppelin Museum or whatever it is. And for a huge amount of money, you can actually ride on one uh, if the weather conditions are right. Um, and it's a new one, not a uh, like an old Zeppelin or anything like that. Right. So that was interesting. But anyway, the company here in uh, in California that has been working for a long time, but has had some setbacks to bring back Zeppelins. The setbacks have been financial, not really any kind of disasters or anything. Uh, and it's uh, rumored to be backed by uh, uh, Sergey Brin, who is, of course, one of the two founders of Google. So plenty of money there. Um, Zeppelins to me are fascinating because they do some things that we just don't have any way to do without them. So one of those is cargo transportation, right? We've got great ways to get large and large quantities of items around the world as long as you deliver to a seaport, 
right? We right. have these big, huge sea vessels with large items or massive quantities. And then once it gets to the seaport, now how do you get it to the 90% of the globe that isn't on a seaport? You have to bring it in either by uh, plane, train, or automobile, truck. Right. Um, and those all have limitations. Planes are really expensive for cargo. And right. the biggest thing you've got is basically a military transport uh, plane, which really can't carry anything that big when it comes down to it, like a big machine, for instance, that would have to be basically uh, built to be disassembled and then assembled on site. Um, trains can carry pretty big things, but still there's a limitation, a width limitation on trains. And they're only go where the tracks go because you've got, you know, uh, limited track. I mean, there are many more roads than there are tracks. There have certainly been cases where things have been moved places by building a railroad track specifically to move that item <laughs> to that place. And, um, and then, you know, car, uh, trucks have are an even smaller amount. And even though the roads can get everywhere, it's hard to uh, to fit big things on a truck and to move in quantities because, uh, you know, if you have a lot of stuff, a train will move a lot of stuff, but trucks, you would need a huge convoy of trucks to move right. a lot of stuff. Planes are the same problem. Anyway, Zeppelins solve like all these problems because they can carry large items. They can carry a large quantity as well, the big weight. And they could deliver anywhere. You don't have to have a track there. You don't have to have a runway nearby. Uh, you don't have to even have to have a road nearby. You can you know, take a large machine assembled in one part of the country or in part of the world and then have a Zeppelin lift it up and then carry it to another part of the world and drop it to the exact spot where it actually needs to go. Um, so that's interesting, uh, the cargo delivery stuff. And in the article, they talk about um, uh, disaster relief as well, where you typically right. need a lot of supplies places where there isn't a working runway or railroad or sometimes even roads or any infrastructure, but you could load up uh, Zeppelin with tons of cargo and basically lower it to the exact spot of the disaster. Um, that's interesting. Uh, also, passenger wise, uh, we, you know, the modern age, we have cruise ships on the ocean, proving that people are willing to travel for no reason other than traveling, um, you know, get somewhere slower. You know, if you, right. people will go on a slow cruise, maybe visiting some places, but kind of the point is kind of on a cruise. A plane gets you somewhere fast, um, but you, again, you're restricted by space. You've got this little airplane seat to sit in during that short journey. But a Zeppelin can get you somewhere with kind of a uh, cruise-like experience mm -hmm. uh, but without needing the ocean so you can go over land over sea uh and uh, you don't need a huge port to dock with and all of that anyway this company is hoping to bring back uh zeppelins and is nearing the completion of their first zeppelin and with plans for another one and they've acquired a bunch of old um uh, buildings that they used to use for zeppelins back before the hindenburg mm -hmm. uh, which have stuck around and you need a big building to build one of these things. And I find it fascinating. And and I just, I hope one day soon that you and I could see something we've never seen in our lives, which is to see an actual Zeppelin crossing our skies. So, um, yeah. So question, my yeah. assumption is mm -hmm. that they're not using hydrogen. No, they're, they're going to be using helium. Right. So, um, which, which was not something that was really available when the original Zeppelins, you know, you'll, you'll be able to capture helium is something that's much more recent. Didn't know that. Uh, um, that's cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that it seems like they would be at high risk of mm -hmm. um, is weather. Right. Well, it's, it's not so much risk of weather because the thing about a zeppelin is you could land almost anywhere right? right so you don't need to be like in an airplane it's like we need a runway it's a storm you know um so it's not much of a risk it is a timing issue like exactly. i mentioned that those uh the tourist ones in germany um if the weather's right you can go on one uh, if you pay like 800 dollars or something uh but it has to be if the weather's right but the idea here is that weather doesn't necessarily need to be a factor. Like if you're delivering a large amount of cargo, mm -hmm. you know, or a large machine, you could say, great, the machine needs to get here. All of our options suck, but 
<laughs> you know, a Zeppelin's the best one. And if it can't come today because it's too windy, that's fine. Just deliver it tomorrow. We don't need deliveries all the time. We just need this one thing one time. Right. And the same thing with disaster relief, you know, the hurricane or the earthquake, whatever is gone. And it's like, we can't get supplies in, you know, imagine like, uh, you know, an island like a uh, Puerto Rico after, um, you know, a big hurricane or something like that, or mm -hmm. Haiti or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, okay, we can wait a day or two. The, you know, the best we can do without a Zeppelin is for supplies to trickle in, but we can get, you know, two days later, we can get this massive shipment of supplies uh, delivered by Zeppelin if the weather's right. So, so it's a disadvantage, but it's not as much of a disadvantage as uh, some of the other things have, because planes also have that same problem. Right. Plus they need a runway. Right. You know, it seems um, like planes are a little bit more resilient to weather in, in the sense that my suspicion is that a plane, while it'll be a bumpy ride, yeah. um, can at least make it through uh, yeah. fairly, fairly severe weather, whereas it looks like, um, you know, these don't have quite the same amount of power to just power through a, a bumpy storm. Right. Right. Yeah. I imagine uh, you they would avoid storms at all costs right. and ground and land. If the storm was bad, right. um, or just you know, just schedule everything to avoid avoid the storms completely. But right. you know, fortunately, we did, it's another thing we have now that they didn't have in the 1930s is we have satellite weather, yeah, better, and better all, weather all, forecasting, all, yeah. all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, a lot of interesting things in that article. Unfortunately, it's behind a paywall, but you you know, if you know how to get around a paywall, you can. The um, one of the interesting things I discovered is that a big difference between blimps and zeppelins, mm -hmm. uh, of course, the blimp is basically an inflatable balloon, uh, you know, so that it's all much smaller, much right. smaller scale. But also because the the balloon part is inflatable, the actual engines have to be on the basically the basket underneath, right? Which makes right. takes up a lot of the space of that, and makes the whole thing very noisy and uncomfortable. Whereas a rigid Zeppelin can put the engines on the body of the, you know, the, the, the part that carries the helium in right. this case, like all the way at the back, meaning that the portion underneath actually becomes quite pleasant. And it actually, it describes the experience of, of flying on a Zeppelin being like the opposite of what you experience on an airplane. It gracefully takes off. It you know, you could, you could actually be cruising along and open a window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because you're not moving at you know super high speeds and well, you're also super high altitude. Then not very high, right. Yeah. You can, you know, uh it's a much more enjoyable experience. Plus you can, you know, you tend to be able to see more and it's uh it could be it could be a very, I mean I could see it definitely being a very um desirable thing. You know, it sometimes I wonder why people go on cruises. I've been on cruises. <laughs> I, so I know, you know, firsthand experience that it's not for everybody, including mm -hmm. me kind of, <laughs> um, sometimes I'm a little, you know, I don't know. It's okay. You know, if you, if you just want to relax, but then sometimes you ask yourself, why well, could be relaxing in a nice hotel? Why do I need to be in the middle of the ocean? Um, you know, they, somebody can get me drinks and food there. Um, but, one of the things I do like on a cruise ship is when you are passing by a coastline, you'd be able to see the, um, you know, the nice coast and the mountains right. and the beaches right. and all of that. It's, it's really nice. And, uh, on a, on a Zeppelin, your view is always going to be great. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like a low flying, slow moving airplane, just because I, I, when I'm on an airplane, I'm one of those people that if I have a window seat, I could just stare at the window the entire time as long as it's not cloudy <laughs> and I can actually see, like I could just look at the patterns of the farmland and the roads and the, right. and try to guess where I'm at. What river is that? What city is that? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so to me, it's like, wow, that would be to have, have that and like drinks at a nice table with you know dinner served in a stateroom where you could <laughs> you know, go to you, sleep and um, all that. ever done a hot air balloon? I have not, but I want to. You should. I yeah. my wife got me a hot air balloon ride for my 30th birthday. So clearly yeah. this goes back many years. Um, and uh, you know, she's she's not one to no, not not interested, but I went up. And very much of what you describe is very, very true. Um, it's very quiet. It's incredibly quiet. Um, aside from, you know, when they're firing up the uh, uh, the flame to heat up yeah. the air inside the balloon. Uh, 
but we're floating over the neighborhoods. We hear the dogs barking. We're looking at all the different things going on. It's just, it's, it's quite the experience. Um, There's actually a good chance. uh, This is well before we moved into our current house. There's a good chance that we actually flew near my current house (laughs) 30 years ago. So um, yeah, uh, I can certainly see the appeal. Like you said, it's not a solution for everything. It's certainly not a replacement for aircraft or no, for not, no. for ships. Yeah, too slow. But for that. it definitely has some um, some really interesting applications. Do you know where they are in terms of time frame? How soon are they going to? to... Yeah, the article goes into it. I mean, they've got this one that's you know I would say is that like a medium sized zeppelin that they're getting close to being able to launch and uh, do things. Um, perhaps some cargo, perhaps some passenger stuff. And then they hope to start on a larger one that they'll be building, I think, in, in Ohio, because that's where the big building is located. Mm. Um, and then that will do even more. They said that the one that they had 10 years ago or so, it really, it was tough. They were trying to use, it It was a small one and they were trying to use it a little for tourism, a little bit for cargo delivery. Uh, there was just the one and there was, you know, they had to do all the weather stuff we talked about, about scheduling, mm-hmm. which right. made it, very tough to make a, a business out of and what they really need is they need to have a fleet of them so they could schedule things more appropriately hmm. um so you know hopefully within a few years if everything stays on track this time uh we could be looking at you know probably some folks in the maybe the bay area being able to see see them every once in a while then maybe a few of them traveling across the country so uh, one another interesting fact i got from that was we often think of the 1920s and 30s you know the era of zeppelins and that germany being the the kind of the lead right and um actually the united states had more zeppelins than anybody else really that's kind of interesting and you know you still see some artifacts like for instance the most famous artifact is the top of the empire state building right the top of the empire state building was designed as a dock for zeppelins yes and uh but you know it never i don't think it ever got used as such or I don't think it did yeah no. i think it just the the two things didn't line up but could you imagine going to you know traveling somewhere to you know chicago to new york you get on a zeppelin you go overnight you right. know maybe through the next day and then you dock at the top of the empire state building in manhattan <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know technically if that's where passengers got off. Like I, I almost think that was the intent. Um, the intent. So boy, yeah. I don't know how I guess the thing about the rigid Zeppelins is that you could walk around in the rest of the, the structure. Right. And you at know, some I mean, point, you know, there's a yeah. ramp or something that drops down or comes across or whatever to some place yeah. on the tower. But yeah. Yeah, so you would walk, you know, you, you the part underneath where all the rooms were and the dining and all that stuff, you would just kind of walk up a, a ramp along or inside of it between the compartments that held the, the lighter than air gas. Mm-hmm. And then you would go out the front <laughs> at the top and um, and then somehow transfer into the Empire State Building and take the elevator down. Yep. And there you yep. go. Very cool. Drinks Looking forward to it. Yeah. We've certainly seen, you know, like the Goodyear blimp um, has been out here from time to time. Yeah. And we see it flying over, which is also very cool. Um, I wish that uh, I've had, you know, would have had the opportunity to have a ride, but that's one of those things where you really need to know somebody. Um, yes. And uh, ideally a Goodyear uh, store higher up. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, this, uh, this would be cool. I'd love to see these flying around. Yep, indeed. So cool. Some cool tech coming up, maybe. Speaking of, speaking of cool tech, yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, in a week or next week, we will have the Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple's uh, annual event, and uh, this is the one this where there's a big keynote, but a lot of the keynote pertains to developers. So you know, I have to remind everybody every year that this isn't like wall to wall, like here's the new iPhone, here's the new iPad, whatever. This is a lot of stuff that's like, here's a development kit for something. Here's something that's not going to be out for a while, but you can use this framework, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of that. So a lot of the stuff that you hear is not really going to be something that you can, um, you know, you can act on as a consumer. So I think the thing is that uh, you got to look for that, but there is going to be, there usually is like one or two announcements. So like one is going to be a rumored MacBook Air that has a larger screen. 
Right. To me, it defeats kind of the purpose of an air. To me, an air is supposed to be an ultra portable. <laughs> so when they make a bigger air, well, it's if like, it's super yeah. thin and super light, maybe it still meets the, it is. some I of mean, the that's, criteria. That's yeah. the idea. But anyway, so you know, I for me, if I get a MacBook Air and I do have one, I want the one with the smallest screen. But then right. I have a big screen on my desk, so it's right. kind of a different purpose. And there's also a talk of a new MacBook Pro. So and. MacBooks aren't a stranger to this event because especially those MacBook Pros are used a lot by developers. So it's usually seen as a good event to announce it because you know, the developers there will be a large part of their audience. Um, there's also going to be talk of the new operating systems, which is something that does more directly affect consumers, but we don't actually see the operating systems until the fall. So this is all the developer versions. So whatever Mac, uh, you know, the next Mac OS, whatever, uh, you know, iOS 17 and, you know, all the features of that and watch OS and, uh, you know, TV OS and <laughs> all that stuff. Right. So chances are if it's, a, it, well, if it's a good new important feature, we'll know about it by next week. We won't have it for most people until the fall, but Apple, you know, announces the features now, makes them available to developers so they can test their software and their apps with it. And, um, and then comes out with them in the fall. So we'll know all that. But the big thing that everybody's waiting for is that it's heavily rumored that this is going to be the, finally the announcement of the of Apple's VR headset. So that's- Or me skeptical. Well, I mean, <laughs> there, there's not a rumor site worth anything out there that isn't saying that this is what they're going to be talking about next week. Uh, it would not surprise me if they announced one. I'm just, yeah. I'm just skeptical about the technology in general. Yeah, um, the, there's a lot of rumors of the specs, and mm -hmm. the general idea is that the specifications blow away everything that is currently on the market. The stuff from Meta, right, and right. and you know whatever else you know the old Google Glass stuff and all that. It right. just blows that away. Like I've heard, you know, 4K or possibly. 8K screens for each eye mm -hmm. um, with extremely high like contrast, um, you know, and a very lightweight headset that actually puts the battery on your uh, in a separate cable connected box that could be put on your belt or just sitting on your desk, mm -hmm. leaving the headset ultra lightweight. Right. Because if you think about it, really, the battery, that's all the weight of these things. Yes. And a lot of the headsets now, you put them on your head and there's this heavy thing because the battery's in there. So putting the battery elsewhere uh, helps. I also hope that it's not, it doesn't have to be battery operated. Like I hope you could plug the battery in and you're basically, you could just use it forever. You know, you don't have to have it battery, like a laptop, you know, you plug right. the laptop and yes. use it forever. And I hope that you can, because I see a lot of the application for this as, as a workstation kind of right. deal. Yep. Um, in that case, I don't want to be restricted to two hours and then recharge. I just want to be able to use it all day. Yes. Well, sitting in my chair. Depending on how they design the connection, there wouldn't even necessarily have to be a battery. I mean, it, it could mm -hmm. just plug directly into uh, somebody's standard port, like, um, um, obviously, a regular USB port probably wouldn't provide yeah. nearly enough power. However, oh no, a um, USB C port would US, exactly USB C that is capable of like recharging laptops and so forth. Then yes, yeah. that oh, would be an definitely. awesome power source. I'd be surprised if they're not going to use that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what it is. I mean, there's still the rumors that it's going to be mixed reality, so you'll be able to turn a dial and either see through the glass in the. Right. Or, or that you're going to see the vis, you know, the visuals from cameras. I'm thinking you'll be able to see through the glass, but we'll have to see. Uh, mm -hmm. Apple's been working on this for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of mixed rumors out there. Like there was one rumor about just how many different heads of this program there have been over the years, <laughs> which could be a bad thing, but also could be a good thing. Right. Right. You know, one one person comes in and brings their screen expertise to it and then moves on. And the next person brings their, you know, you know, what interface expertise to it and all of that. Right. Um, I also hear it's going to just run a lot of iPad apps. Um, you Interesting. know, and so the idea being that, OK, you know, I, iPhone and iPad apps are still more or less the same 
thing, right? right I can still right. create one app and it works on both iPhone and iPad. Sure. Uh, and the idea is the iPad's got a bigger screen, right? The iPhone is built to be a mobile device with a small screen. So right. it makes more sense on this device to be thinking in terms of iPad apps, that sort of screen size. But the idea that you could launch an iPad app on this device and the app is just there. It's not built for this device. It's just now a rectangle hovering in space in front of you. And that all sorts of things about tracking your eyes. So we can mm -hmm. use that as a pointing device, uh, tracking your hands with cameras so that your hands are completely free of anything. There's nothing on your hands. It just sees oh, your right. hands in front right. of you and yep. you could point or make a motion to click or, or whatever. It's going to be fascinating. And we'll fi finally find out what are these, which rumors are true, which rumors are not uh, next week. It is probably going to be a big price tag and it is probably going to be like a, like here's our initial expensive developer model kind of right. thing, right. not the consumer model that you'll eventually you know, get, um, or it could just simply be kind of the price tag, you know, that this is the model you're not going to get because you're not ready to pay for it yet. Like when the Apple watch <laughs> came out, right. People were, right. you know, there were some people that were like $400 or $300, whatever it was for a watch, you know, forget it. I get a Timex for 30 bucks. Right. Um, so the idea was people weren't ready to pay for, you know, the mass consumer audience wasn't ready to pay for a, a watch that cost so much at right. the time. And now eventually we come to a point where the mass consumer audience is obviously paying for Apple watches. I see them all over the place. Yes. Uh, so the same thing here, they come out with an expensive device and people say, no, I'm not paying that much for something like that. Um, and then, you know, wait 10 years. And then say eventually the utility gets proven, the apps all yeah. show up, all that kind of stuff. Yep. yep. There's even a rumor there. So there's a game called No Man's Sky. That's that kind of an immersive, massively multiplayer uh, 3d game that's not mm -hmm. out for any apple platform um but last year the worldwide developers conference the company was there and said we're going to come out with this for the mac and everybody cheered and it's a year later and they haven't come out with it for the mac um but the ceo of that company uh tweeted like yesterday uh just an apple emoji um <laughs> so people are reading into that as saying well it's either finally going to come out for the mac right or maybe it's not coming out for the Mac now because it's supposed to come out as part of these, uh, you know, VR glasses. It would be a great application for them mm -hmm. to be able to say, "Hey, here's a, a, a an A class game right. that is going to be on them." That's you know that could use the 3D virtual reality experience. So so anyway, we'll we'll see, and that's what we'll probably talk a lot about next week. Sure. Um, when exactly is it? Is it before we record next week? Yeah, oh yeah. It's uh is it Monday or Tuesday? I'm trying to look it up here. Uh it is um Monday, Monday morning. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. Monday. So we definitely will have the information. Um, yes, for our listener, we typically record Tuesday afternoons. So uh if it happens during our recording, well, maybe we would delay, but no, if it's gonna be the day before, we'll know. Yep. Excellent. Cool. So I have been playing with Photoshop. I like yeah. Photoshop. I, I, it's, it's expensive. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's not for everybody. I've got the Creative Cloud suite, um, of which I used like three applications, even though I have access to about what twenty five or something like that. Um, but Photoshop is one of them, and uh, they've done something interesting. Uh, Adobe announced a while back something called Adobe Firefly. Firefly.adobe.com, if you're curious. And basically, it's a mid-journey DAL-E competitor in the sense that um, it will, among, among some other things, um, allow you to say, you know, create a photograph or photorealistic image of, um, you know, a corgi on top of um, a drum or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll give you the usual uh, machine generated whatevers, uh, give you some options to regenerate, replay with them and so forth. It's interesting technology. And apparently what they've done is they've trained it a lot on the Adobe's, Adobe stock image library, mm -hmm. which is, of course, huge. Um, I don't know if that they trained it on anything else. I don't know that they needed to train it on anything else because there's just so much to train on right there. Hmm. What they've done is they have integrated that technology into uh, Adobe Photoshop. 
Now it's not in the currently released version. It's in the beta version of Photoshop, uh, which anybody can get. If you've got a, you know, your, your Adobe account, if you've got the uh, most current version of the regular software, you can then download and play with the, the beta version of the software. And I have been playing with it. Um, there are some amazing demos out there. Um, I'll include at least a link to Adobe's because actually it is a pretty, a really good example of some of the things that you can do with it and how it reacts, what the kinds of things that it does in response to some of these queries. Um, it's incredibly impressive. Um, my experience is a little bit more mixed. And the conclusion that I've come to is that, and this is true for um, all of the AI generators and I sus uh, image generators, and I suspect actually for some of the AI text generators, is that the real magic is in understanding what to ask for. Um, the, the better you are at describing or imagining or being able to put into words exactly what it is you're looking for, the better the results you're going to get uh, within reason. Uh, mm. apparently I'm not that great at it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I say that because, you know, I've played with some things, uh, you know, I've had it generate some things for me. I've had it, uh, you know, put a, I, what was it? I had it. Oh, one of the things I did is take a screenshot of, uh, and a Google street view. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you end up with this street name in the middle of the street. Mm. Uh, you know, it's literally just, you know, it's it's text on the street that shows you what street right. name it is. With this, you know, you just basically draw a rough circle around it and let the generate function, uh, gener the generative fill function uh, that is this, uh, it basically magically removes it and replaces it with more street. Um, it actually does a really, really good job at that kind of thing. Where I had problems is that, okay, great. Um, I drew another loose uh, freehand circle oval and it said okay fine uh put a moose here mm. and it it was moose like <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds scary it, it, i don't, don't want to see it <laughs> absolutely some of them were scary i i you um, know if somebody invited me to hey would you like to see this <laughs> this picture of uh, of a moose i took i'd be like yeah if, would you like to see this picture of something moose like, like i took i'd be like no <laughs> no no i do not uh, so a lot of that is, uh, you know, the description. Um, a lot of that is just, it's beta software, right? The intent is that it's going to be getting better over time. And I think that's true for a lot of these image generators that we've seen. Yeah. But one of the things that it is uh, really, really good at is, um, I'll call it extending a canvas. So by that, I mean that mm. say you've got an image and it's a certain size. And you want it to be bigger, but you don't want to stretch the image. What you really wish is that there were more of the background to fill in the available space. Mm. So I ended up taking the uh, the TEH logo. We have a, a logo that is, um, I'm not even sure what the dimensions are. I think it's um, 13 something by eight something. Um, you know, it's our standard logo that we use in a few different places. And I said, okay, let's make this 1920 by 1080. And then without stretching, yeah. I had the logo, the existing logo centered at the bottom of the resulting image. So there was this basically U, uh, inverted U shape of empty space all around the logo. Okay. And I selected that and I told uh, generative fill to just fill. And sure enough, it did an amazing job. And I'm going to um, while I realize that this is not necessarily um, great for um, um, audio, uh, I've dropped the before and after into our show notes, and we'll certainly make that available there. But the thing that is amazing to me is that normally when you fill something, uh, you end up with a solid color. It doesn't even try to you know, do any pattern matching or style matching or anything like this. One of the things that generative fill is really, really good at is understanding what's in the image and then extending something that is of a similar style. So in the case of our logo, uh, we've actually got, you know, some, some lines and some uh, highlights and some dots of different colors and so forth. It generated new background in this empty space 
that is absolutely consistent with that style. Um, there are more dots. I mean, if looking at it, you would not necessarily know that this wasn't the original image from which we cropped the logo. Well, as it turns out, mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. When you put that image up on mm -hmm. what, what we looked at, I mm -hmm. looked at it and I, it looked perfectly normal to me. I didn't, I didn't get what it was you were showing me until I looked on our site and saw the very cropped version that we've been using. Right. Uh, see, the deal is the background behind the little graphic there was something I made. And guess where I got that background? Adobe stock. Adobe stock. Oh, wow. So I think this might be a case. I'm playing to its strength. Yeah. It may have gone and said, oh, you want me to extend this? Well, let me see. And oh, I have that image. I have okay. something really, really I, close. Yeah. I, I had no idea. So as a matter, and I cannot find, as we were talking, as I realized this, I can't find my original work for putting that little logo there together right. or that right, background, right. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it may actually be um doing things i mean good for it for you know sure, figuring yeah. that out and yeah. saying hey you know because it would have been weird if it came up with something different uh but it looks very similar to what my memory is of like the original image and then i kind of cropped out but um yeah so so it's kind of neat that it did that the, uh, the, it, it, the result the, though was great the the adobe examples of course are all using adobe images so you know that they are yeah. also doing the same thing but the 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 examples that they're showing are doing some really neat things where they're um they start with a photo of um, some salt flats which has lots mm -hmm. of cracks and so forth in it and they actually have the generative fill create a pool of water in the middle of it um and the pool looks awesome it um and the edge of the pool um, is not like a hard line that you might expect. They had actually generated an appropriate border around there that looks kind of like the salt flat kind of um, uh, humped up a little bit. And oh. then they put a then they put a a classic car in the background. And hmm. uh, the classic car, again, looks great. but what what the generative fill did um, is it also then uh, did a wonderful job of showing the reflection of the car in the pool which mm. is non-trivial um, to do. Uh, then they extended the canvas like I did for this image. Uh, since it's an outdoor shot, there's some lighting assumptions about, you know, there's a, there's a sun over here, the light is flowing in that direction, and it did all the right things with respect to the lighting. Anyway, it's very, very cool. It's, it's, if you can get your head around knowing what to ask for and what's appropriate to do, um, it's just amazing. And like I said, this is um, within, it was announced last week. And I think within a day or two, there were like a dozen different videos from a dozen different photography folks that I follow on YouTube, um, all talking about uh, generative fill and this new feature in Adobe Photoshop. Um, and clearly some of them, you know, like we just apparently encountered here, we're using Adobe stock photos, but a lot of them were using their own photos to do interesting things. Um, and they worked really, really well. So I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited. Now, yeah, you, you indicated that you've been playing with this too. I did not. Yeah. Realize that. So I have not played with the generative fill or using it in Photoshop. What I've been doing is playing with it in at the the website that they've got. Firefly. Yeah. And um, so where it, you know, you could type in a query, right? And it and it creates something for you. And, you know, I, I mean, I know one of the differences is they've trained it on their exact stock photography stuff, yep. Um, yep. which is great in terms of like licensing and all that stuff. It's like they just go out to the Internet and grab everybody else's stuff. Um, but I'm wondering if it's kind of limiting. Sometimes I do. I try to create some things and I get results that are either, you know, not great or like I get results and then I try to vary it and I can't seem to get away from what it wants to show me, mm -hmm. um, make me think, well, that's all it's kind of got in this realm or whatever, you know? And so it's been, it's been tough. My results have been mixed. Sometimes it's been good. Uh, maybe it's my inexperience too. I know that, you know, uh, there are people that are very talented at using mid journey 
that have been working really, with it for a um, long time to do you have a do you have a midjourney account have you been watching uh it no no i mean because you have to use it through discord still right yes yes you do yeah um, so, so i've got an account out yeah. there and um you know i occasionally play with it and i get the same kind of mixed results that you've just described i think once or twice i've actually used midjourney generated images for a couple of things but for the most part it's like eh, nope not not going to use that however what's really mm -hmm. fascinating to do is to sit there in discord in one of these channels and watch the amazing artwork fly by. Mm, um, yes. Because you get to see what everybody else is doing. And you also get to see the prompts that they're using to generate the results. Um, and it's absolutely amazing and, and actually quite entertaining to watch because the results are so, so good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've had these mixed results and I've had weird things. Like, for instance, I, I was trying to get it to generate backgrounds. One of the things I use Adobe Stock for is to create backgrounds for my thumbnails. And I'm interested in using uh, Firefly for that because instead of using backgrounds that somebody could then identify as like, oh, that's from you know, stock photography, right. uh, I can generate ones that are more unique. Um, and there just be patterns and fills and interesting things like that. But when I, oh, and another reason I'm going to do it is because I want to be able to type terms in and have it come out with something I didn't think of. Like, yes. you know, because I'm, I'm, well, any, anybody is limited in their thinking towards like, I think I want the background to be like this. And then, you know, it comes, it, there could be another idea. You know, if you, if you have a bunch of people around, somebody else could say, hey, you should use yellow, not red. And be like, oh, I didn't think of that. Well, the same thing here. I want to be able to go and say, okay, I'm doing a video on uh, uh, online security, right? And I think it should be something like this. But maybe if I could type in, give me a background for a video thumbnail about online security, it would show me something that it's like, oh, I didn't think of that. That does right. make an interesting background. Right. So I've tried stuff like that. And I've tried stuff like, you know, <laughs> background, you know, uh, background for video showing warnings danger blah 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 you know all this and so many times it throws words into the uh into the image right like imagine when you say warning a thing it might say is oh here's an image of warning and it's a warning sign right and the word warning is written on it yeah it's um, not. <laughs> so here's the problem is that if it did actually put the word warning on on this background, uh -huh. then I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't want, I don't want that, right? I want something that's just a plain background, no words. It doesn't put the word warning there. It puts words in some sort of made up language. Gibberish text, yes. It's yes, not even letters you recognize. They're yeah. letter-shaped things. And it's like, I get what you're doing here. You're you're seeing lots of images that have warning as a key as a tag. And you're taking some of the different fonts that say warning, caution, danger, and you're kind of coming up with something that looks vaguely reminiscent of a sign. But these aren't letters. This isn't a word. And I don't want it on the background. And no matter what I say to Firefly, don't put words. I don't want words. No words. No letters. Nothing. It's still <laughs> like, okay, here's more words. <laughs> um, so I've had that uh, trouble. I've had trouble with some other stuff. One amusing Amusing thing is for some reason, I wanted an image. I was looking at, I was sitting in my living room trying to play with this on my laptop. And I was just looking around at objects in the room and trying to just create things. And I, and I saw, we have on the, on the, uh, on the wall, a cuckoo clock, like one from Germany. Mm -hmm. That's like a interesting cuckoo clock. You know, it's something you would see in homes around the world. Right. And sure. I thought, what would a steampunk cuckoo clock look like? <laughs> well, a cuckoo clock has unfortunate spelling <laughs> and <laughs> what no matter what i could not get firefly to accept the word it said sorry there's a word in here that we're not going to allow to be used right generating an image i'm like right. i want cuckoo clock so i kept trying to come up with other names wall clock with bird that comes out every hour you know <laughs> and it just and it would not get that this is what I, and i thought oh it could look so cool with little gears and wheels and like a robotic bird you know like with a metal beak you know it would be a cool looking image and i bet you could do it probably in mid-journey but i uh was not able to get firefly to allow me to create this image and it, it, that was just a humorous kind of a sure, sure fight i had for like an hour with firefly it's like come on they're so. they're definitely they definitely are erring on the side of caution for that kind of stuff i know that i've had a couple of cases 
um, actually in Photoshop. Um, yeah. trying, I don't remember the specifics, but um, in addition to just saying, um, you know, make this look like the rest of the image, which is what I did with the background extender and what I do with a couple of other mm -hmm. things. You can say, you know, put a moose here or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the things I asked for mm -hmm. seemed very benign, but um, even Photoshop said, nope, nope, this goes against our guidelines. I can't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, uh, and it's because, like you said, there's probably a word that is um, either a synonym of something that I hadn't thought of that they they are concerned about, or, and I'm hoping this isn't the case, um, that uh, they're looking at substrings and somehow substrings, you know, if, if, the word, if the word happens to be there anywhere um, that they, they trigger on it. But I, uh, yeah, I've, I don't I've, know. I, I actually did look on stock photography, you know, the stock photography, and there were plenty of images that were tagged cuckoo clock that it was like, these are the images I want you to use. Right. And this is the tag you've got for them. Right. But you're not letting me, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's so frustrating. It's like we need, sometimes there are syn synonyms uh, for things, uh, you know, that you could go, oh, okay, if I say this instead, that's, right. that's you know, that's another way to say the same thing, but not for that, apparently. So anyway, it's interesting. I really do want to get into mid-journey and using that. Uh, it just, it, it, it seems like a pretty steep learning curve. Like I said, when we started dedication, yeah. time, dedication to really, you really end up learning a new way of thinking to try yeah. and describe exactly what it is you want. And it's interesting because I've actually seen, um, you know, some of the pundits saying that, you know, the current, um, the next big, uh, job that you can train for is, um, AI prompt writer. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, today, absolutely. If you're a good AI prompt writer, you bet you can do stuff. The real question is how long will that last? How long will the, will the, you know, how long will it take for the AIs to suddenly realize what uh, us normal people are asking for? Um, and I don't know. I mean, doesn't, I mean, at some point language has to get in the way of itself. Like, True. because if, if I could ask for something and it, guesses right away oh i think you want this and it right. gets it right that means it's getting it wrong for somebody else who's using the same words but they mean something different right and yep. there's context that's missing you know like i mean if somebody is preparing a backyard barbecue celebration and they want to do a cool flyer for it Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of context there when you sit down with you know if you ask your artist friend hey make me a cool you know piece of art for this right there's a lot they know already that's not in the prompt that you're giving the artist which is a cool flyer give me a cool flyer right and it's oh yeah it's a cool flyer for your backyard barbecue thing you're you're into this you're back you're, you you live here you you know all this stuff that the artist knows that the prompt you know the ai prompt would not have in it um so maybe ai prompt writer is going to be, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I know you and I are both fans of Galaxy Quest, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And do you I was remember just watching Sigourney it on TV Weaver the other day? Yeah. yeah I remember Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's job, right? Her character's job in that was that she was the only one who could talk to the computer, you know, on the t on the TV show inside the movie, right? So the captain would say, you know, uh, scan for intelligent life or whatever. And she would go and say, computer, scan for intelligent life. And then it became a thing. It's like, right. your only job was to actually repeat what I said to the computer. And she's like, it's an important job. Well, a AI prompt writers actually making that job become a reality where you're going to have somebody that says, I know what I want. I don't know how to ask the AI for it. Right. And, oh, that's my job. My job is I can listen to what you have to say and I know the right thing to say to the computer. And My you know, job is you, talking to computers. And when you think about it, honestly, it's a job you and I already do. How much of what we do is yeah, interpreting the questions we get yeah. and turning them into terms that um, more correctly, for lack of a better term, or more specifically, reflect what people are actually asking. So, yeah. Hey, I, by I, the way... Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. mid journey off to my, my left here is currently churning away at steampunk, steampunk cuckoo clock. Oh, okay. And it's very cool. Um, <laughs> I, I imagine it is. I will, um, once again, I will drop that too, if I can find it here. There we go. Um, this, the, the downside of doing all this in, um, mid journey 
is that I'm sorry, inside of Discord, is that it is um, I'm always scrolling by, right? There, it's always very busy. Um, so you kind of have to keep an eye out for your work, the result of your work, and so forth. Um, it's uh, but oh god, it did a great job. Hang on, you'll you're gonna you're gonna love this. Okay, you're gonna paste um, it into our document. I am. I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> put it in here. Boom. Let's see. The um. Oh, there it goes. And yeah, see, that's exactly what I was going for. Yep, it's what I had in my head. Yep. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, uh, one thing I wanted to add is just uh, mentioning, you know, talking to AIs and all of that. Yes. Is um is a strange. It's kind of strange. I'm not the only one who has noticed that we that we're not actually doing that. Like we have Chat GPT, and you type to chat GPT and chat yes. GPT gives you the results. It's text. Um, but it's like, well, wait a minute, where's the, you know, the Siri experience with this? Right, Why right. can't I bring up an app and actually talk with chat GPT? Right. And that is coming. And there is an article I'll link to in the verge about a, a, a video game demo, because of course this would first be in video games uh, where the uh, there's a scene in a video game um, where you can, use your voice your microphone and you can actually talk to the non-player character so you're not typing you're not hitting like from a list of like here's three responses but you actually say hello to this character and ask questions and the character responds with voice no text anywhere that's not true there actually was text on the screen because it's easier in video games to be able to have that as subtitles yes but yes. but yeah i mean that is kind of it's weird because you don't really get anything more out of it like you can type to chat GPT, ask it something and it gives you results and you've got your results. But there's something more, I don't know, interesting or- Visceral. Visceral, yeah, that's <laughs> yes. a good word about being able to just- Talk to it, add, have a conversation. Talk to the computer yeah. and have a conversation, even if it's not perfect, even the computer's getting it wrong, like chat GPT does or whatever. It's still just, that. That's go, there's going to be a wow factor with just that little extra step. The hard part's done. You know, we have the large language models. Right. And we have text to speech and speech. We have to text to speech. Let's just get it all together. I'm and... surprised that nobody has created a, an Amazon Echo um, yeah. uh, app for that or or hooked it into Siri or, you know, any of the others, um, because that's would seem like a a, uh, a perfect application for yeah. those devices. Mm. Anyway. So, yep. Fun stuff. Yep. Um, oh, the other thing I was going to mention one more example uh, where uh, uh, Generative Phil did uh, an extremely useful thing for me in a very good way. Mm -hmm. And that is um, I have a picture of, I think it's like seven or eight corgis lined up on a log <laughs> at a beach. Yeah. And, you know, when I took the picture, I did not notice that at the end of the log was a poop bag. Oh, okay. So with with Photoshop generative fill, I basically drew a loose uh, selection around that bag and had generative fill just remove it and it replaced it with more log. It just looks great. You, again, you would not know that there was you know, that wasn't there um, in the first place. So that's a really good use for it. And I yep. see a lot of people, a lot of the examples as you browse some of the video examples on YouTube, um, a lot of them are doing exactly that. You know, there's one person who's got a, um, um, a scene of a building with some people in front of it and a bicycle in front of it and a couple of other random things. And he very carefully, one at a time, uses generative fill to remove each of those things until he finally ends up with um, just the building. And that is... <laughs> Again, that's pretty amazing. That's looking at the pattern that's in the picture and extrapolating uh, content where there was no content. Mm. Anyway, cool. that is very cool. But that also means we need to talk about other things that are cool. Mm. So this week, I'm just going to go straight into the guilty pleasures category for a couple of a couple of shows that we just finished up over the past couple of weeks. Um, one is the great on Hulu. And its tagline is an occasionally true story. It's the, it's a, uh, uh, I, I would not even call it a, um, a dramedy. Uh, it really is just a comedy, but uh, they base it on 
uh, the reign or the early reign of Catherine the Great in Russia. So this is like the mid to late 1700s. Um, her husband at that time, Peter III, uh, and the things that are, you know, you know hilarity ensues. Um, it, mm. It's it's actually a very, very fun and funny uh, show. It saw, uh, stars Elle Fanning, and um, I don't remember Peter's, the actor's name, but um, she does a wonderful job as... Uh, um, as Catherine the Great. The occasionally true story part, just for the heck of it, I went to Wikipedia and looked up Catherine the Great to see, okay, how close were they really? Um, and the short answer is not, but uh, there are absolutely a few factoids that make their way into the show that are indeed occasionally true. Uh, you know, not just that she existed or that Peter existed, but a number of the the, the secondary characters in the show are actually real characters from history. A lot of the plot points kind of sort of mirror, but not really uh, some of the actual things that happened in history. Uh, so it's not something you're going to learn history from unless it piques your interest and you decide to look things up on Wikipedia to find out what really happened. Um, the other one that we've been looking at, or just we also finished up, was Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story on Netflix. And that's the same kind of a thing. That's Queen Charlotte, the who was queen for, um, uh, married to King George, the king at about the time of the American Revolution. Uh, he ended up having some mental issues, so she ended up becoming um, you know, basically the real uh, ruler of uh, the UK at the time. Uh, again, same thing. I would say an occasionally true story. Once again, there are facts, there are interesting things that do make their way into the story that are sourced from history, but okay. it is not um, a historical drama. It is definitely a uh, uh, a comedy uh, with uh, uh, you know a lot of interesting plot points. In this case. Uh, Bridgerton has a reputation for having beautiful sets, beautiful stories, and beautiful people, and that is very much the case for Bridgerton. There's a lot of um, a lot of eye candy for everybody, but um, not quite the same for the great. The great is a little bit grittier, and they do a nice job of storytelling as well. Anyway, those are the two things I wanted to bring up: the great on Hulu and Queen Charlotte on Netflix. Cool. Uh, I'll mention a, a show I've been watching for quite a while. My wife and I actually uh, we like to find things obscure british shows that aren't obscure in britain at all right <laughs> most people know them but the united states are very obscure um and uh so we have been enjoying uh it's, it's a game show <laughs> kind of a game show but not really nobody wins there's it's not anyway it's called would i lie to you and it's basically an excuse for improv comedy but i'm one of those people that can be mildly annoyed by improv comedy Hmm. This presents it in a way that is different. So the basic idea is it's a game show format. Mm -hmm. um, there are two teams and uh, the there are two team captains uh, that are regulars and a, a host that is a regular. But the other four, two on each team, are basically celebrities in Britain that virtually nobody in the United States will recognize. Like okay, episode yep. after episode after it's like, okay, <laughs> I gather that person's important and well-known. I have no idea who they are. Um, but the game show is basically that each uh, contestant reads from a card an unusual fact or you know uh, something that happened to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's completely made up. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually know if it's going to be a true thing. I guess there's probably a pregame interview or right. it's just going to be a made up thing. But they have to pretend that it's true and convince the other team that it's true. Uh, or that it's false, depending upon which way they want to go. Basically, you want the other team to guess wrong. So, you know, you may say, oh, I was, you know, I grew up uh, and I was college roommates with so-and-so. Right. And they'll, and they'll be like, you were. So where did you go to school? Like, what? how, how did you, did you get along? <laughs> Do you still keep in touch? You know, and you try to, and the other team tries to trip you up and maybe get, say something that they figure, oh, this is a lie, or maybe this sounds plausible. And you just go along with it, but it's just, incredible how nearly 100% of the time, the these things go in a comedy direction. Maybe it's because of the facts themselves, you know, and especially if it's a very bizarre thing, and the person has no idea, they read it, and it's not true. 
And now they have to make up a story <laughs> to, to make it true. Right. You know? right. And the, and sometimes, you know, they, uh, they have to go to these great lengths. And then occasionally it sounds so ridiculous and they're cracking up and laughing the whole time. And they're like, oh, they're making this up as they go along. And right. they'll say, oh, it's obviously false. And they'll go, no, it's actually true. <laughs> so it's, it's so, yeah. So it's like improv the entire time, except improv with like truth behind it. Anyway, it's it's really good. It never ceases to make me laugh. Uh, and it, you know, there's tons of there are a bunch of episodes on BritBox, the right. subscription service, but right. not all. For some weird reason, you get like a selection from six different seasons is on BritBox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, go over to good old YouTube <laughs> and look around by season and season and show number, right. and you you could find every episode somebody cool. has put somewhere in some corner of YouTube. So you you could kind of like, okay, what season are we on? What episode? All right, let's go and search YouTube. And all right, I found it. And then you can watch it and working our way through lots and lots of seasons. The show's been on for a long time. Um, and it only gets funnier as you get to know, know the hosts better and they heckle each other endlessly. Right. right. Uh, you know, during the seasons that go year after year after year, um it's it's great it's we put it on at the end of the evening whatever we're watching if it was a movie that was bad oh that was a bad movie why do we watch that or if it's a movie that was kind of scary or dramatic right. or something right. doesn't matter we're going to end our evening watching you know 30 minutes of this and Excellent. get a good laugh yeah i think i've seen segments of it uh on tiktok uh, yes I think they some do people have, have unloaded uploaded segments um it reminds me of um do you ever listen to wait wait don't tell me on npr oh uh, uh yeah i not really but i know what you're talking about i've probably they have heard a, it a few they times they have yeah. a segment um yeah. and i forget the name of the segment i wish i knew but what they do is exactly the same thing they have their three panelists each tell a story yeah. and only one of the stories is true and then the um uh, the contestant uh, needs to say, you know, guess which one is the true story. Uh, yeah. So same same kind of idea. And yes, some of them are laughably um, um, not true. Uh, some of them are laughably made up there, although they have prep time, right? They have an opportunity to write things beforehand. Mm. So I take it you're not a fan of uh, whose line is it anyway? Well, I am. But, I, you know, I watched it uh, probably the first few seasons, you know, when it was new and it was kind of a hit. Right. And I watched a lot of those seasons okay. and it's okay. I, I, I then I go between be, it being annoyed by the improv, <laughs> you know, the, you know, uh, yes. And, you know, kind of thing. Sometimes it gets kind of annoying, like, okay. but then sometimes when they take it the right direction, it's funny. So it's the kind yep. of thing where you sit through the, uh, I'm annoyed by this improv and, oh, but that was hilarious. And then I laugh out loud. The, uh, uh, that's that another one I've, I've been finding uh, clips getting uploaded on TikTok. Um, yeah. there's a oh, current, yeah. apparently the, the show is still going on, which I didn't realize, but it's got a different host. It used to be Drew Carey, of course. Right. And now it's Aisha Tyler. Um, and, uh, but the, the comedians seem to be the same for after all these years. So, yep. <laughs> but it's you know, definitely, definitely very funny at times. Anyway, um, not funny. Uh, so blatant self-promotion, what I want to point people at, this is something, a topic that has come up a lot over the past couple of months. Uh, I think, gosh, it's been at least six months now since the last past breach and issue has been, you know, had been announced and discovered and uh, the whole brouhaha happened. And, you know, computer professionals, security advisors, random folks like us, um, we've been advising people that, you know, if you're using LastPass, you might want to consider moving to a different tool uh, just because not because there's something specifically bad about LastPass itself in its incarnation as we know it. It's just that we don't know. They've they've basically breached our trust in addition to everything else. However, as you're aware, moving from one password manager to another um, is a fair amount of work. Uh, it it things change change is hard but it also you know there's it's there's usually some bumps in the road so the question that i've been getting asked a lot in the last few months is can i still use LastPass safely um and the answer of course is rather you didn't but if you need to uh, i understand it's askleo.com slash one five six four eight eight cool 
Um, I did a video. I think uh, everybody could benefit from seeing it. It's about those uh, sales. I, I don't know if you get this in the Windows world, but on the in the Mac world with one ma one maker of Macs, um, mm -hmm. you'll get uh, on blogs and on uh, social media, you'll get things like, today this macbook air is at its lowest price ever on amazon or mm -hmm. you know get this whatever it is for like the you know 200 dollars off over here mm -hmm. and a lot of times out of curiosity for doing a video like this i've looked at them and found the deals aren't that great sometimes you get an older machine mm -hmm. and it is the lowest price ever but you know there's a newer version of that it's not really that much more expensive and it'll you'll get updates longer if you actually got the newer machine right. or you know here's one that seems like a good deal because you can get a macbook for 200 bucks well it's a 12 year old macbook model <laughs> that's you know probably a bunch of refurbished ones and it's just you can't even run the latest operating system now and all of this and i wouldn't if i had one i'd be like worried about how do i give, give it to somebody or get it to recycling without having to spend you know 40 bucks to recycle it or something let alone paying somebody $200 for it. So I talk about all the reasons why a lot of times these deals aren't necessarily good. Sometimes they are. There are some ones out there that are like, oh, okay, that's for the right person. That could be a good thing. But a lot of times they're very misleading and just want to get you excited about like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I'm an idiot for not buying this, this MacBook at this price. And it's like, no, no sometimes they're not good deals. So I do a video on breaking those down. To address your initial comment about Windows, I don't see that on Windows PCs, uh, hardware, yeah. but I yeah. see it all the time on Windows itself. Oh, really? Um, and okay. and especially Microsoft Office or, or Microsoft 365, as it's called right now, or something like that. There are all these amazing deals to get it for this dirt cheap price. Um, and it's it, if it sounds too good to be true, it just isn't. And there's a bunch of different uh, games that these resellers will play. Um, and generally, they are absolutely not legit. Um, there are a few cases where they are, um, but it's just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a mess. Um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I generally have, tell people to avoid um, unless they're willing to do a tremendous amount of research and understanding exactly what it is they may or may not be buying. Yeah, on the Mac side, I often see like people will say, okay, I've been using Microsoft Office for Mac, but now it's too old. Like it's not supported on the new Mac I got, right? Because they right. nursed along a very old copy yep. of Office that was not a subscription. It was a standalone. Right. And now they'll get to like, I so I need to update, but I don't want to do the subscription. Right. And I said, well, you can actually still buy a standalone version yep. for Mac. That's a new version for Mac. But note that, you're going to find yourself in the same situation. Like this is seems cheaper, but it's more expensive than a year subscription or maybe even two or three years worth of subscriptions Exactly to the software. And then realize that at the end of those years, you would have, you know, think that you'd be in a better spot because you only paid once, but now you're out of date again. Yep. So what are you going to do? Are you going to get the newer version and pay again? Whereas yeah. if you did the subscription, then none of that matters. You just yep, it's it's you crazy, know, and you know the latest the, always. You you buy it once, you pay much more money. You can put it on exactly one machine, um, yeah. all all that kind of stuff. I mean, Microsoft has really bundled or or set things up to make the subscription a very very cost effective approach. And yet, people are so opposed to subscriptions in some cases that they're more than willing to pay yeah. um, way more than they need to. And we did a whole fine. show on that. We did a whole yeah. show on this a while yeah. ago. So yeah, that's you know that's that's their choice. All righty, that pretty much wraps us up, I think, for another week. Mm -hmm. um, the show notes for this week are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh194. If you've got a comment or a question for it, be sure and leave it out there. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.